Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. What's up, guys? Welcome back to this week's episode of the show. I know you're going to take so much value from this week's episode. Um, I was absolutely pumped to have today's guest, Mark Wales, on the podcast. It's something that I've wanted to do for a while now, and um, once we locked in this chat, um, I've been just super excited about it. I know you guys are going to love it as well. So Mark was a, a former Special Operations Team Commander, so he served 10 tours of duty, four tours in Afghanistan. So obviously, when we think about mental toughness, mental resilience, physical strength, and you know things like planning, things like strategy decision making there's just so much to unpack in this episode and that's why i was so excited to talk to him about that because i feel as though those key skills uh carry over with things like business and and health and fitness as well which we we get into in the episode we also touch on mental health which i am a huge advocate for and so is mark and he gives us some really good insight into some of the i guess challenges he went through after serving in afghanistan he also attended Wharton College in the USA. He was a very popular contestant on Survivor Australia where he actually met his now wife, uh, Samantha Gash, who was on the podcast not too long ago as well. If you haven't heard that episode, please do go back and check it out. He's a founder of the fashion startup Kill Capture, which we touch on in the episode as well. He does a lot of keynote speaking now. He is in the world of business. He is, um, you know, his purpose now I think, and you know, he touches on this today as well, is to be able to share his experiences and skills with other people to help them become the very best version of themselves, which is very much like what this podcast is about. Um, and he's just a super interesting guy. So hang around for the whole episode. If you take some value from today's show, please do take a screenshot of this episode on your phone and post it up on your Instagram story for me. Tag myself, tag Mark. We'd love to get some feedback on today's episode. And I really hope you guys enjoy today's show. Mark, welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast, mate. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today. Mate, thanks for having me. Great to finally connect. Yeah, no, I've been really looking forward um, to this chat. And I mean, even when I just mentioned to you before I hit record, I don't usually typically put down any questions or anything before I chat to any guests. It's more so just a, a bunch of ideas that I wanted to touch on. And it was, it was hard to, to keep the list short enough to make sure that we didn't end up chatting for <laughs> fucking hours here. Um, the things I wanted to touch on, I just mean, I'm very intrigued um, to, to hear, I guess, your answers to a lot of these things that um, I wanted to chat about today. Um, and I think a lot of people listening, um, you know, as we'll get on to get into today, sorry, I guess the stresses that you've probably been through in your life and the situations that you've been are, mm. are far more um, immense than what a lot of people listening have ever been through. But in the end of the day, stress is stress and, and people, when they have to make decisions and everything under pressure and anxiety and, and stuff like that is very difficult. And, um, and everyone will be able to relate to, I guess, the feeling, um, that of that, that, um, having to make these decisions and, and, and stuff like that. So the first thing I wanted to ask you, mate, and, um, might be a bit of a personal question, but what compared from when you were serving to, to, to now, what, is your fear like what really scares you then compared to now i think um i think now it's obviously a different ball game in the sense that you know once once you leave the military you're faced with a different set of challenges but mm. there's still very real challenges for me the thing i probably fear the most is going down a path that um i i've set myself down because i think others believe i should go down it, and i haven't questioned it enough as opposed to one I, I, I know I should go down. 
okay. um, because it's what I think is the right thing. I think that's that's important if you're going to do something like make sure it's your own your own idea and your own vision because that way if you fail, like it's it's okay, it was your idea. If you fail doing playing someone else's game, that can be quite hard to accept. Yeah, 100%. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, you say about knowing that it's your own decision. Obviously, um, when you were serving, it's not only you that you're worrying about, it's, it's those around you and, and yeah, um, the team around you and stuff like that as well. So the pressure of that decision-making becomes, um, I guess, a lot more high stakes. So did you have any tools in your toolkit that you like to use when you do have kind of to make those split-second decision, um, split decisions um, around what you should be doing and, and have you found that that's been able to carry over into decisions you make now when you are under stress? I mean, I personally like to, um, you know, I do a lot of work in, I guess, in the personal development space and particularly working on um, how I kind of deal with pressure and stress and everything like that. And um, I guess I use the term like adding tools to the toolkit, uh, little things, whether it's, you know, breath work, whether it's um, meditation and things like that or whatever it is to really um, help my decision-making um, under pressure. So is it, I guess, yeah. tool, tools that you like to use um, when you were serving and then things that you've been able to use now in business? Yeah, the biggest, so I'll start big, right? Like the mm. biggest tool is to know that the battles you're fighting or the, or the path that you're on, whether the big choices that you've made are <clears throat> the right choices. You can save yourself a million decisions by making a, a choice that's, the one you want versus a, a different choice. So making that big choice early about what you want to do with your, your time or your life is an important one because that just saves a whole lot of heartache. If you're going down the wrong path, you might be finding a battle that's not relevant to you in any way. So I can give you all the t- tools and tricks in the world. It won't matter if you're fighting the wrong battle or if, if you're in the wrong endeavor. So try and get that part right. Like know that, you, that what you're doing matters a lot and it's worth the time, the effort and the, and the, the, the hassle you're going to face going down that path. Um, that's a big one. And then once you're on the path, I think for me, um, there's two parts. One is planning. So with planning, there's, there's two things here. One is keep it really simple. Just focus your, your plan around a really simple concept and keep it as basic as possible because that's the easiest thing to execute. Don't have too many steps. Just have a couple that are really clear. Um, the second part is focus. So, really focus all your efforts, all your objectives, all your um, resources on just one or two things that you want to do and, and do this over the year, kind of long, you know, long term, but do, do it short term as well. So every day, just choose a couple of things you want to achieve and just stick to that. Um, so there too. And then there's another part, which is kind of the, the physical aspect or the kind of hygiene aspect. Um, and that is just to make sure you're, you're eating your rest levels and your exercise levels are quite good because that will give you a lot of resilience as you go down the path you've chosen. Yeah, for sure. And early days, did you have, um, you know, I talk a lot about, uh, particularly with guests on the show, about morning routines. And I guess you look at most high achievers, regardless of what field they're in, um, you know, morning routines or daily rituals and stuff can be something that's, I guess, quite common now. And whether it's structure and routine or, or whatever the case may be, is there something that, you've done over the years that you've just kind of continued to implement to your day-to-day life now that you've found quite beneficial, whether it is a, uh, a practice that you do each morning or each night or something like that, just to kind of keep yourself. Um, yeah. I guess, 
Yeah, I think, yeah, good. It's a really good point. I, I have a, an ideal routine. I don't get to do it every day as such. And I think yeah. it's if you can't do it every day, it's fine. But as long as you know what that ideal day looks like and you try and achieve it, that's that's good. And mine is I try and exercise in the morning. I'll try and get up and do a you know, six o'clock class. Um, and that way your exercise is done for the day. Mm-hmm. And then choose the period you want to do your work in. And I try and only do about four hours really heavy work. So okay. anything that has a cognitive load, I try and limit it to four hours. And that's based on research around what, how much we can tolerate for the day. And Already it's really four hours. Yeah, it's really yeah. four hours high-level cognitive work and four mm-hmm. hours kind of rote work. So I'll spend four hours doing the, the heavy lifting long-term stuff I want to do and then another four hours if I can doing rote things like answering emails and catching up with people. So that kind of routine I found works well. And then at night I try and um, have like a bit of a bedtime routine. So I try and spend 20, 30 minutes winding down, read a book, stretch a bit, have a shower, and then my quality of sleep is better. And what was it like when you were serving? Did you have that, that I guess, luxury of being able to, to have any form of routine with morning and, and nights at all? Or is it just kind of all over the place? I mean, it's, it's pretty, very hard, yeah, it's very it's, hard for, for someone like myself or anyone else listening to really understand it. But just kind of, if you could give us a bit of an idea of how that kind of looked. Yeah, if you're in your barracks routine, like if you're not away or deploying or at war, yep. you might have, uh, you know, you might do training at 7 a.m. Um, and, and similar thing, you work in the barracks in the morning and then afternoon you might do some practical work. So I always try and keep the heavy thinking stuff in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I spend the afternoon doing the less thought intensive stuff. And I just find that works well for me. And a lot of the research points to it being a good kind of pattern to follow yeah. um, for most people because you're, you're, a lot of your cognitive thinking is better done early in the day. It doesn't work for everyone, but that's just kind of my routine. Yeah. And you mentioned before, you know, the cognitive ability when you, when you are doing, I guess, that kind of smaller block of high quality work. Have you found that a certain nutritional approach has worked well for you? Um, to, to be able to give yourself that chance, that mental clarity yeah. in the morning? Yeah, definitely. I've, I've, I've played around with this a little bit. I've kind of landed on uh, kind of paleo-esque sort of eating, which yep. um, for listeners that, that most people will know, some won't. So paleo is kind of um, very unprocessed food, very much um, meats, a lot of veggies, some fruit, grains, not so much grain, sorry, sorry, fruit and um, and berries and all that. So very natural diet and that kind of keeps a consistent energy level for me. I don't always follow it, but I try and keep it close to that. Mm. Plenty of coffee. Yeah. Plenty of coffee, fuck yeah. Count <laughs> <laughs> um, that. Yeah, shit yeah. We, uh, obviously, we touched on decision-making. So what was um, like what was the driving factor behind you making a decision in the first place to, to serve like in the army and to, and to de, um, deploy and, and, and choose this kind of, that kind of lifestyle um, initially? Yeah. I, I just wanted to go to the SAS. I'd read about it. I'd heard there's this awesome special ops unit. I'd, I'd read about it and heard kind of how legendary it was even since world war two mm. and that Australia had something similar. So for me, it was a long shot, but I thought I might as well go for this unit and see if I can pull it off. Yep. And that's to, to get there, you have to go through that military career. And that's what started me on that path. Yeah. And for, for those that aren't aware of the process of reaching that status, you said, obviously, it's a, you thought it was a bit of a long shot. So what does that process look like from the day you make that decision to wanting to 
follow that that path to when you yeah. kind of first get accepted in there and, and reach that level? Yeah, so the special ops units in Australia will take people that have been in the military for about two years. You don't need to be army, interestingly enough, but I wanted to be army, so I knew that would be kind of most closely aligned with the NSA as soldier. Yep. So, yeah, I went through the army. I went to Adfer and Duntroon and then to an infantry unit and then applied for selection. And I think I was in my mid-20s. But trained up, you got to do a bit of training, make sure you're strong. Mm. Um, but the fitness is really a small part of it. The hard bit is the psychology behind um, perseverance. Like, it's going to be hard. You're going to fail. A lot of things are going to go wrong. You're going to get injured. You will definitely get hurt. Um, and the, the question is, can you stay in the, in the game when you're hurt and worried and all those things are kind of weighing down on you? Can you not give up? That's, that's the kind of question they're looking for. Yeah, I want to kind of stay on this this topic for a little bit, but before we get into that, I um, you know, I put on, I checked up on my Instagram a couple of weeks ago. I mentioned that we were going to be having a chat, and a lot of people sent through some questions, and there was a few awesome. specific, there was a few specific ones. Um, and I guess it kind of aligns with what you're talking about here. Is um, someone sent through what was the what was one of the hardest things in the eighteen months reinforcement training after selection. I'm assuming it's, uh, this person is yeah. maybe potentially going through a similar process now. Yeah, so that's an easy one. There's there's one course in there which is called Target Prosecution or TPC, Target Prosecution Continuum. When I went through, it was called Close Quarter Battle. But mm-hmm. it's, basically, uh, it's basically live fire close quarter combat um, and, and fighting through really complex targets to try and rescue someone or attack someone. Um, The reason it's hard is because you're dealing with live ammunition, you're shooting around your mates, the pressure's intense. If you get any more than two safety strikes, you're off the course. Um, And it's just, uh, you're you're in a high adrenaline loading each day. Um, It's scary, it's hard. Mm. Uh, it's bloody exciting. It's it's the best work I've done. And if you can get through that, if you can use all your kind of, it tests everything you've got, physical and mental. And if you can get through that, you're you're in good shape. It goes for three months, so it's it's a really tough course. And going into all this training, did you have any? Um, you know, I, I don't know doubts is the best word, but I guess where did you kind of see that your um, physical and mental strengths were and were there any physical and mental weaknesses that you thought could be an issue throughout the training that you were kind of aware of coming into it? Oh, so, yeah, so many. So I'm a bigger guy. So endurance for me is hard. I always struggle with endurance, so I had to work hard at that. And I think the idea was here I just target my weaknesses as much as I could and try and bring those up. Because mm-hmm. if you can – everyone has strengths and don't worry too much about those, but if you can bring your weakness up to the, to the level needed, then you'll be fine. Um, so that was one. And then I guess mentally just, you know, it's, it's high pressure. There's a lot of self-doubt and wondering if you can pull it off. And I think that the thing is here, just have the courage to have a go and accept that you're going to get things wrong. Mm-hmm. And when you do get things wrong, just learn from it and don't get too dismayed and just keep trying. Because if you give up, like, that's no good. You, you, things are going to go wrong all the time, so just got to keep trying. Yeah, so I guess it's uh, a matter of being able to to handle. I guess the I guess the small wins and the and the losses. I almost yeah, neutrally, we, neutrally. I guess like just kind of trying to try and yeah. remain neutral and not get too hyped yeah. up with the wins and not get too low with the lows. 
don't get too excited with yourself. You do something well and then yeah. vice versa. If you, if you do something badly, don't beat yourself up. Just get on with it. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, that obviously carries across to not only, you know, what, what you went through, but particularly um, for most people in just the day to days, I know it's something that I've had to work on a, a shitload with business and even just, um, just life in general. It's, 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 it can be tough sometimes and, and uh, it really doesn't serve any purpose to, to dig yourself down too much when you do have one of those no. disappointments and, and kind of really fixate on it. You know, something that I, I mentioned a lot is being, is just focusing on what you can control and, and the rest is almost is kind of pointless really. Yeah, that's a good one. There's so much that you cannot influence and like think about it for a moment and then don't worry about it because there's a, there's a ton of other shit you've got to do which relates mm. to what you can affect that you can, you can change every day to your advantage if you want. It's funny, like you look at some of the, the best athletes in the world as well. Like you, you look at someone, you know, like your LeBron or Kobe or someone like that in the NBA. Yeah. You know, they, they put it, they, you know, nine times out of, the, out of 10, they're taking that last shot for the, for the game winner shot. And regardless of whether they, <laughs> whether they make it or not, the next game, they're doing the exact same thing. And they say, you know, the best shooters um, never think about that, the last shot. It's always thinking of the next no. Exactly. Yeah, you're just going to try. Right. And I mean, you know, obviously, we just talked about letting things go and not holding on to them for too long. But I'm assuming um, part of, you know, serving in the SAS and then also now um, you would find the same thing with business is being able to actually look back at, at what you've just done and then kind of debrief and see what you've done well and what needs improvement and being able to be self-aware enough on, on what to change the next time. So what once you'd kind of been out at battle and stuff like that, is there a process when you come back and you are kind of going over things to, to figure all that out? Yeah, we, we'd come back in from, from combat and go straight to the team rooms and debrief. So we'd be straight on the whiteboard and we'd record things that went well, like maybe three or four points. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'd focus on what didn't go well and what we needed to change. So you're always making those incremental improvements every day. And I think <clears throat> that is an approach. It's not a destination. We call it relentless pursuit of excellence. And I think you compare that to perfection. Perfection is a state that's kind of unachievable, but excellence is a kind of a mindset. It's, it's we're always going to do a bit better each time and we're going to do a bit better every hour and every day and over a decade, that'll be amazing. All right, guys. So I wanted to quickly interrupt this episode to give you a recommendation of another podcast that I think you could really benefit from listening to. Now, obviously, I would not be talking about another show if I didn't think it was highly valuable for you. Um, and as I mentioned before in previous episodes, there is more than enough attention. There's more than enough success to go around for absolutely everybody. So I'm not afraid to to, to put out there for other podcasts and, and help others do well um, at the same time as you guys listening to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast because I want you to be able to get the most out of your training and out of your nutrition. And I know the Mind Muscle Project is a podcast that you will thoroughly enjoy. So... A couple of years ago, I was lucky enough to be asked to go on the show. Um, I was asked by my good mate, Lockie, who is one of the hosts, him and Raf do a great job of the show. They've been putting out multiple episodes per week for a long time now um, on the topic of health and fitness you know, business as well. Um, they're getting fucking over 250K downloads a month in over 103 con- countries, which is just incredible and something that I'm um, definitely aspiring to as well. Some of the guests I've had on the show, I think you guys are going to be um, very delighted with. I know a lot of you guys listen to people like James Smith and, and, and guys like that that, you know, have been on 
this podcast before and um and the level of guests i have on the show is just exceptional um and as i said i know you'll get a lot of uh, value out of it so what i would like you to do is to go over now um, on either itunes or spotify um, and check out their podcast see if there's a few episodes that you that you might like um, and i'm sure there is if there if there's anything in particular that you do enjoy or get some value out of i'd love to hear about it um, and and go and have a, a listen to the show um, i'll have the link to the podcast in the show notes below um, and i hope you enjoy the rest of today's episode and I think that is the mindset to have is, is treat everything that goes wrong as an opportunity to learn. And mate, I had so many things go wrong in my career. We had yeah. bad battles and you know, didn't achieve missions and things went wrong. And the point is to learn from it quickly and not get too dismayed. Yeah. That's, uh, that's so, super valuable. And, one thing I, I was kind of really pumped to kind of, I guess, ask you about and, and get a bit of an insight on, and I think a lot of people listening or watching will will really be able to take a bit out of this is you mentioned before how important it is to have the the mental capacity or the mental resilience to to work through the, the psychological type of stuff, um, whether it is dealing with injury, whether it is dealing with setbacks and um, stress and all that type of stuff. So are you able to, to give us a, a bit of an example of, um, a scenario you kind of touched on one before a scenario during training where you are having to deal with those types of um, those types of obstacles and then also maybe an, an example of when you are actually when you were actually serving and deployed of uh, maybe doesn't have to be too detailed obviously but um, a day or something that kind of sticks in your mind where where it was quite mentally tough um, and a lot of adversity oh yeah one one we had we did a mission at it was a nighttime mission and we were right in any territories in Afghanistan. We had to get out by daylight, but we got caught in the battle space and we couldn't get out by daylight. We found ourselves kind of trapped in broad daylight in the battlefield. <clears throat> we got into a heavy battle because we didn't have all the, the advantages of cover and movie at night. Got into a heavy battle. The only reason we got out is because we had snipers in Overwatch and Apache gunships doing mission fire missions all around us. And so we got back, from, we were kind of battered from that. We got back from, we're like, holy shit, we can't do that again. What are we going to do next time? Yeah. And so next time we made sure we started our missions right at the back of the night. We really treasured the dark time hours. Um, we made sure if we got caught in daylight, we had plenty of air cover. And I think... <clears throat> And we had a lot of a lot of success doing that. And I think the trick is when you do when something goes really wrong, and, and it's going to happen in life, is is appreciate just absorb it and and don't feel like you need to move on straight away. But also take the time to say, "Holy shit, what what did that teach me?" Because in in that experience is a little nugget, and you've got to take that nugget and, and use it as a learning experience. It sounds like a like a bloody platitude, but it is true. You have to take those failures and, and really use them to your advantage. And that's the hard bit is coming back. You're always going to fail, but coming back from it's the hard bit. Yeah. And I, you know, I do a fair bit of um, learning myself in, in the space of meditation and mindfulness and stuff. And it's funny, like it's the lessons that I'm hearing a lot lately is very similar to that. Like, typically when things don't go your way or things do um, not work out how you, you'd planned or expected, we tend to kind of just push it aside and just move on and try and almost avoid it. But 
um, a lot of uh, a lot of the information is is kind of based around actually just sitting with it and not being uh, yeah. and see you know even if it's something like fear is instead of avoiding it and trying to do everything to avoid that fear is actually just sitting with it and and being willing to be able to acknowledge it and um, and work through it otherwise it's always going to be sitting there and lingering yeah and it also goes back to that other point I mentioned about choosing the right battles because if you've chosen the right battles to fight you'll be able to take these hits and keep moving and it won't be an issue if you've chosen the wrong battle it's going to be hard um, you'll wonder if you're on the right path it's going to be a lot harder to take these hits so yeah what um what level of <laughs> oh, excuse me bless you what Can't level of uh <laughs> what level of planning would go into um into a i guess a typical mission there and and how have you taken bits and pieces from that to how you would approach a planning of um you know maybe it's a business venture obviously i want to touch on today um your business kill capture um but whether it is a, some form of business venture now, how much planning do you kind of put into that compared to the skills you've kind of learnt? Um, so yeah, it's a good question. So there's, I'll give you an example. Like when we were doing counterterrorism and you'd, you'd arrive to a target, you'd have two levels of planning. One would be called an emergency action, and the other was called a deliberate action. The emergency action was if you got there and five minutes after arriving, you had to go and attack the, the stronghold. What would you do? And that's kind of opportunity-based, minimal planning. You're just going to go and then try and execute the mission. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not much you can do there. You're just planning. Uh, you're just planning to achieve the mission on an opportunity basis. The second one is a deliberate action. That's where you might get six hours to plan. That's where you're going to have a really close look at how you're going to do it, where you're going to enter the building, you know, what floors you're going to tackle, who's going to do what. You've got a fair bit more planning to do in that case. Um, and that's good. If you've got the time, you should use it. I think, I think too often people build those deliberate plans and they, they just don't, things don't unfold the way people want them to. That's common in life. People have got a plan they want to achieve in life. It just doesn't go the way they want to because, um, different frictions get involved and it just, there's obstacles every, everywhere you try and go. So I think. Uh, the trick for me was always know what that big goal is. Again, going back to that strategy or that purpose, know what that big goal is and the path to getting there, you can keep quite flexible. So for example, with Kill Capture, we want to create a tough luxury brand doesn't exist in the market. And we want to tell a story about what it's like to be in a special ops unit and how cool that is. Um, how we get there doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter if we write books, doesn't matter if we make a film or we make products. That's kind of, that's that's uh that's just academic. the vehicle the vehicle to it's reach the, the destination vehicle. yeah it's just the vehicle so the the destination is where we're headed the path to get there is something we can chop and change as opportunities emerge yeah um but if you don't know what that final destination is the vehicles you choose might be the wrong ones they might not be right you might not know where you're headed that's so having that end goal in mind again is is bloody important yeah it's funny it's it's very similar to um, obviously on a different scale, but particularly this year with coronavirus, like everyone obviously went into the year with a, an intention or a goal of where they were yeah. trying to get to this year and whether it's business, whether yeah. it's physically. And you just, it, those that are able to adapt the quickest um, qu- quite clearly have been the ones who have been able to continue to, to win and see that success without kind of 
you know, sitting there and dwelling on what you wanted to, or the way you wanted it to go. Instead, just moving on as quickly as possible and being able to to make those changes and continue to move in the in the right direction just through a different yeah. angle. Exactly, and there's opportunities wherever you look. And an example, so Sam and I had planned another year of speaking. The events industry shut down, so straight away Sam went to podcasting, and I started writing a book and always wanted to write. And we can do them remotely. So um, the point is, there are different ways to get as you're saying different vehicles to get to that end goal, and we just chose a different vehicle when the situation changed. Yeah, brilliant. Another one of the questions I got sent through um, was around, again, around mental toughness and someone kind of just wanted some advice or your, your tips on how you can build up mental toughness or mental resilience um, to a high level without having to, um, you know, try and get into the army and go through the training and go through the experiences yeah. that you have. Um, obviously, yeah. yeah, obviously, I mean, the, the degree is a little bit different, but, you know, people... Um, I think it's extremely important for people to be able to build up as high a level as possible mental resilience and toughness. And for most people, they're not going to go through it the same way that, that you did. So do you have any advice yeah. on, on that? Yeah, I do. And this is, um, it's easy in theory. It's quite hard in practice, but it involves, my, my advice is put yourself in a situation as often as you can, you don't quite feel comfortable in. And I'll give you an example. If you're a guy and you're a, a macho guy you're in the military or a first responder and you don't dance like go and book yourself in for a salsa class and do salsa for two weeks or go and do hip-hop for three or four weeks and do something that you're not quite used to and see what it, how it turns out um, if you're afraid of the water go and take some surfing classes um, if you're not a runner go and train up and go and do a 10k you know fun run do these tiny little things that slowly build your capabilities and make you comfortable in discomfort. And that was a constant refrain in the military. It's you got to be comfortable in chaos. And that is a skill that the more you do it, the better you get at being in a situation that's deeply uncomfortable. And I think even when I left the military and went to McKinsey, that kind of typified McKinsey is we're going to take these consultants who have no experience in this business or this industry, and we're going to put them in there and they're going to learn quickly how it runs. And it's very uncomfortable. You go to an industry where people have got 30 years experience and you've got a week to learn what they know. And the trick is to know the process to go, I've done this before. It's uncomfortable, but this is how I learn. This is how I get to the, the right point in the next step. Um, and that builds resilience quicker than anything. Just being slightly uncomfortable and not being too stuck in your lives. Mm. I mean, I'm sure you've um, you've seen a lot of the content around. Um, you know, a lot of people listening have probably seen content from, you know, guys like David Goggins who, who talk a lot about. You know, he's he's clearly putting himself in some seriously uncomfortable positions. But in the end of the day, the the principles, the methods are all very similar. It's like you don't like as soon as you feel like you're comfortable, it's time to to move out of that and try and do something that's going to make you more, more uncomfortable. And that's a uh, an effort i've made an episode i think it was last week or the week before about 10 things that i try and tick off each day and one of those is is just trying to get as uh get out of my comfort zone as often as possible because that's where all the good shit happens yeah it is it's where the growth is right in mm. the areas that are uncomfortable that's where you will change and it's it's hard because you do put yourself under stress but i think if you have growth periods you say all right i'm going to do this hard project and then 
you reward yourself when you do it. That's a great thing. I try and have periods where I don't, I'm not uncomfortable. I have five days off and I'm at the beach. It's great. Yeah. Awesome. Um, another, another question that come through, um, was around, did you find it, uh, I guess specifically, did you find it difficult coming back to normal life to have, I guess the quality of, uh, of empathy? Did you, did you find it hard? Cause I'm assuming like when you're, when you are um, deployed and you are um, doing missions and in battle and stuff that it, you, there'd have to be a, surely a quite low level of empathy, particularly for the opposition. Um, so is it hard to then come back and then, and then have those qualities back again? Does it take a long time to build it up? And I guess on the back of that, I know it's a long question, but on the back of that, where did you um, have many struggles mentally once you did come back? Yeah, I think being in a conflict zone become hardened to suffering, even you know, even in your own in your own personal way. But for me, it was uh, you. You, I would witness people struggling. You'd have to block it out. You'd have to. You couldn't do your job. You even block it out of civilian in pain or um, seeing an injured soldier or your own mates injured. If you weren't able to kind of put a barrier between that and you, you'd really struggle. At the same time, you have to be, you have to have a high level of empathy because if we work in teams, you have to understand people, yeah. you have to respond to how they're feeling as well. So I think in certain situations, it's bloody important. And what happens in combat is you you overuse your amygdala, which is a really ancient part of your brain. It's all your fight and flight mechanisms. Yeah. And you underuse the really advanced part of the human brain, which relates to cooperation and empathy. And you're actually degraded over time when you're in combat. So you have to rebuild it when you come home. And for me, it took ages. I had to spend a lot of time taking care of myself, sleeping well, exercising, um, eating well to, to kind of repair that damage that the rewiring of constantly fighting had done to my mind. Um, that took years. And I had, and after my first two, I had um, depression and uh, PTSD, which gets talked about a lot. It's pretty common. I had it up in the first trip and I had to really work hard at those fundamentals of rest, exercise and really clean diet and just really taking care of myself to, to recover and make sure I had the time and space to do that. Even just spiritually, just getting over it. Um, it took years. Shit, yeah. And I mean, it... Um, you know, I'm not sure whether you want to touch on it or not, but what, what did that look like for you and what were some of those struggles like? Like you mentioned the, the PTSD and stuff like that. Was there anything in particular that you were really, really struggling with? Obviously, if you're um, happy to talk about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was totally burned out. Burned out um, physically and emotionally. I was kind of numb. I had no reserves left. I had no mental capacity. I couldn't think for myself. Um, I just wanted to sit on the couch and do nothing. And yeah. that's a bad way to be. And that's, it's, I think that people don't realize that with depression, people think, oh, you'd be sad with depression. No, you can just feel nothing at all. And that's um, a sign that something's wrong with you. But I think the important thing is that with these mental illnesses, um, don't make them to be the monsters. They're not, they're, they're treatable. They're, things that can be the things we understand more now than we ever have and they can be worked on and you can recover from them so it's common i think now worker burnout depression all these things don't kind of 
my advice to people that get it is don't suffer in silence. Yep. Go and get help. This stuff can be treated. 100% it can be treated and, and you can recover from it. No worries at all. Um, so I had to work hard at it. And, yeah, I, I know a lot of people that listen to this would, would have faced similar things. So yeah, I think it's important to stay on top in the same way we do our physical fitness. Is, is, my, is something like meditation, is that something that you – a practice that you um, have practiced – um, over time, is it something that you do daily, or is it something that you found helped, or or was that not not a tool that that kind of worked as well for you? Well, I don't do it enough myself. But the research behind it is like undoubtedly positive. The way it affects you cognitively yeah. and your mood. And um, one thing I used to do in New York is about three p.m. every day, I'd leave my office and I'd stand. I used to work near on Wall Street near Battery Park, and I'd stand yeah. there with a coffee. And just face south where the, the sun was, and just stand in the sun for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and just think about everything I was doing and where I was headed and what I wanted yeah. to do with my life. And that was my meditation. It was just like a daily check in that I did with myself. And that was awesome. I loved it. And it, it helped me kind of make sure I was on the right track. Yeah, I guess bringing yourself into the present. Um, yeah, just, just put your phone away, just yeah. have a moment. Yeah, just relax. Now, uh, business-wise, obviously, that's been a just you know, a couple more um, things before we wrap it up, mate. Um, business-wise, uh, that's something that's obviously um, a huge interest to you. So, with Kill Capture, are you able to kind of just explain a little bit more about? You touched on it before, but um, what that venture looks like for you, and I guess where people can kind of find out a bit more information about it. Yeah, we. I started this company because I had this kind of vision around a apparel for men that that was a was tough luxury, right? I didn't have the, the usual values that most brands have. Most brands relate to status and materialism and I didn't give a shit about it. I just wanted mm-hmm. the same values that we had in special forces to be built into a brand. So we did that. We called it Kill Capture. We've started with men's apparel and accessories and we're going to branch it out even further. Um, it's been good. It's resonated with a real a group of people that have never been marketed to before with this type of stuff. Yeah. And I knew that because I was part of the segment. No one had ever marketed to me when it came to fashion. I didn't give a shit about our segment. But we're here to say, hey, we, we do know who you are. We know what you need. Um, and we're excited to kind of make stuff for you and also tell the story of where we come from. And that's what we've done with Kill Capture. And it, it's, uh, I've been doing it for a few years now. It never feels like work. So yeah. that means we're onto a, yeah, onto a good thing. Um, and... Yeah, we have failures the same as everyone. We have fit problems with our jackets. We have supply problems. Like, it doesn't matter. It's, mm. it's all part of the fun and um, fixing it all up. So uh, it's been a good year this year with it actually. Surprisingly, during the pandemic, people had a bit of extra cash and spent it on some of their um, products. So we're fulfilling all those orders now. And, been going uh, hard with the uh, online shopping. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> bit of e-commerce. People, people love it. Is there, uh, yeah, what, um, what type of... Uh, whether it's people or whether it's avenues where it might be podcasts, um, audio books, seminars, whatever, do you look to now to continue to learn um, in the area of business? Um, obviously, there's always more shit to learn and always upskill and stuff like yeah. people or things that you look look to to continue to build on that knowledge. Mm, there is. So a lot of the important things I learned around business, I learned at business school, just some of the concepts to get talked about by the top um, professors there like Adam Grant and Simon Sinek around purpose and storytelling and values and brands. 
Mm. I think that's really important to understand. I think people underrate what a brand is worth. Knowing your it's why. It's worth a lot. Oh, yeah. yeah like yeah. Apple, I think the Apple's brand is worth like $200 billion. It's worth more than the tangible assets they've got. So I think for me, the big one was understanding storytelling, understand why humans like stories, why we're wired to hear them, why that's important when it comes to a business. Um, you're not just a... You're not selling a product, you're selling a, a community or an experience or uh, a story. And that's how you explain what you're doing. It's not telling them what the mods on your jacket looks like. It's telling the story behind it. That's, that's the big one. Fuck yeah. That's awesome, mate. Um, look, I, I really appreciate your time um, today, Mark. And I'm sure that everybody that's tuned in today has taken away a, a ton of value from, from the episode. So a massive thank you to you, mate. Um, and uh, if, if, uh, if, is there anywhere that you wanted to send people to, to come and check out any more of your content? I'll obviously have the links to your, your socials and, um, and the Kill Caps website and everything in the show notes. But is there anything that you wanted to add? No, go to uh, Kill Capture anytime and take a look. And uh, I'm writing a book, uh, which is due out in June next year, about all my experiences overseas. And uh, if you need to, if you want to hear more about that, just go to markwales.com.au and uh, sign up. Fantastic. Well, uh, everybody that's tuned into the episode, if you've taken some value, which I'm sure you have, please do take a screenshot of today's episode and post it up on Instagram for Instagram story for me. Tag myself, tag Mark. His, uh, his Instagram tag will be in the show notes below. Um, Mark, thanks again, mate. Appreciate your time and um, really enjoyed the chat. Mate, love what you're doing and uh, thanks a lot for having me. Pleasure.